to the Sank Cast. This is a podcast that we do weekly for Sanctuary. And by weekly, I mean once every three months or so. We've taken quite the hiatus. Um, you can blame Mark Mornishi, who left our team and de- abandoned us for greater and greener pastures. So let's all put the blame on him. But uh, it's just been a crazy time. And uh, I'm excited to be back. And I'm especially excited to have three of the, the smartest, coolest people in the world with me today for Sankcast and the conversation we're going to we're going to have later uh, today. So I'd love to just go around uh, on my grid and just introduce yourself to uh, I think a, a lot of Sank will know you guys, but just introduce yourself. How about uh, say how long you've been going to Sank and uh, maybe just like one fact about you. I don't know. So let's start with Mary over. All right. There we go. I am uh, Mary and I work at Mountain View where Adam was the worship pastor when I first started working as the youth pastor there. And so I got to know him for like two months before he does to be sent pastor. Um, But he was just, he was great always. I mean, he's still great. And uh, and then I started uh, going to Saint sometimes we have youth group Sunday night and um, me and a few of the people at Mountain View would go over um, to Saint. Only a few months before COVID, so quite sad, but uh, I didn't know people, and I, I started going to Catherine's Life Group through Sank um, at the beginning, or middle of COVID, I guess, probably last summer, and she was so harrowing, she actually took on a student life group in the middle of COVID, nice. and they have actually gotten to know her, and she's making all kinds of positive uh, impacts, and it's just, I mean, seriously, the, if you can get to know teenagers on Zoom during COVID... <laughs> You, you have something special, a special dispensation. So yeah, that's it's right. awesome. That's right. Well, Mary, thanks for coming. So Catherine, let's, let's have you next. Yeah. Um, I'm Catherine and yeah, I think I've been going to sanctuary for maybe around two years. Uh, time kind of blurred in my head though. So it could be a little bit off. <laughs> um, yeah. And Mary recruited me to be a life group leader for the ninth grade girls. And I absolutely love it. It's been amazing so far. And That's I don't know so how random the random fact is, but I like penguins. That's pretty random, I think. Oh, it's super random. Oh, it's <laughs> South African penguins or what kind yeah, of you have a specific love, kind of penguin? I think I like all penguins, but I really like Adelie penguins. They're really small, but they're really fierce and very protective. So. There we go. Nice. <laughs> That's great. And I know a random fact about Mary, going back to her. Uh, do you still do, don't you do board game competitions or something like yes, that? Yes, I have been to more than one week-long board game convention. Let's go. I was in, I was in a national Catan competition. Um, I didn't make it past round one. I mean, this guy won in like five moves, but yeah, it's fun. That's awesome. I love that about you. Okay, Juanita. Hello. I'm Juanita. I am, I've been going to Sank since summer 2019 when I moved to California mm-hmm. actually one of my friends I used to live in the east coast in New Jersey and one of my friends from there um, told me about Sank and I was very pumped about what she had mentioned and it actually was even better than she had described wow. and it became my home church from the get-go I actually started going the very week that I moved to California and it's been life-giving because my community like the people that are closest to me still are from Tank. So it's been awesome, awesome, awesome. And then Adam was also super welcoming. Uh, even without an audition, he just basically invited me to the worship team. And I started like 
helping with worship. I don't know how many weeks after I, I joined, but it was Pretty awesome. Soon. It was yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason uh, not just anybody gets to breeze by an audition, I remember hearing you say, well, someone uh, told me about you. I think your first week, someone had sat beside you in the, like, you know, just in the congregation. And they were like, you have to hear her sing. <laughs> and uh, I did. And I was like, yep, let's go. Great. Great. Well, and we were giving Juanita a hard time a little bit ago, but she just, you just moved or you're going to move? No, I will. To Louisiana. In the summer. So she's leaving us. But hey, now that we do things online with Sank, uh, you know, you can slip in and out a little bit. Well, again, so glad you guys are here today. We're talking about the topic of all topics in the past year, especially when it comes to church, is why the heck are we not meeting yet? Uh, it's a question I get at least once a week on Facebook. Uh, usually it's by the same person, but it, I have gotten it from a lot of people. And it's a super fair question uh, to start our conversation. Uh, I would say that it's very fair to say we all miss it. And we just all do not feel like church is the same when we're not together. So uh, we all feel that. And it's a great question, but uh, we're excited to talk about it. Before we do that, we have a sank tradition. Any guest of our podcast we do a little two truths and a lie to start out just to warm up. And so uh, Mary and I are going to, she loves board games. I love winning at everything. And so we're going to do two truths and a lie with Catherine and Juanita, and we're going to see uh, how we do. So let's go back to you, Catherine. Let's do two truths and a lie. Okay. I hope this isn't too easy for Mary, but it might be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This isn't really fair. Yeah. It's not fair. Not a level about that, too. But it's okay. Um, so I've gone skydiving twice. Oh my gosh. I have taken a full year of ancient Greek. And I spent Christmas working at a restaurant. Okay. Well, that's no, it's not too easy. <laughs> I think the truth has to be. Well, I guess that's not how you play a game. We got to go for a lie. Okay. I'm going to say the lie. What was the middle one again? I took a year of ancient Greek. I'm saying the lie is the Christmas one. What do you think, Mary? I think that um, Catherine's very daring, but I think she's only gone skydiving once. <laughs> okay. What's What's the lie, Catherine? Uh, so Mary was correct, or not that I, I haven't gone skydiving at all, actually. I oh, oh. So that was the lie, but that wasn't okay. <laughs> Although it was on my bucket list, because weirdly, um, I love heights, oh and my I love the sensation of free fall. That's crazy. Here so. <laughs> are nightmares of that, like, wake up crying. Right, right. That is not a typical, you don't hear somebody say, I just, I really love heights. It's like, I, lo I love snakes. They're the best. Yeah. <laughs> they make me feel comfortable. <laughs> okay, well, Catherine, literally, that's the first time I've ever lost this game at, uh, in the St. Cast. So, way to go. Way to go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, to good job, Mary. I, I did know about, I knew about, I knew about Christmas, though, so I did have a little bit of an uh, advantage. Okay. <laughs> what restaurant was it on Christmas, by the way? Um, so, during the pandemic, actually, my dad... <laughs> um, through like a very um, lucky circumstance, actually ended up taking ownership of a Chinese restaurant. But you can also imagine that it came with a lot of challenges. 
um, yes. it's a weird time to <laughs> figuring out how to run a restaurant. But yeah, it, we've been really lucky and it's mm. been going well. So it was actually cool. really cool to work in the restaurant. I feel like there might be a lot of um, even parallels to patient care because you're dealing with people and you're serving people. And sometimes right. people are really hungry and you don't want their food yet, but you have to try your best. That's fascinating. Interesting. Well, I, I once ate Christmas dinner at a McDonald's in an airport. So I'm, I'm right there with yeah. you a little bit. Okay, Juanita, two truths and a lie, my friend. Okay. So the first one is that I am an only child. The second one is that I'm recording an album. And the third one is that I was born in Argentina. I'll, I'll go I'll try I'll go first because I don't know I don't know Juanita enough so this is a shot in the dark but I don't think you're an only child okay you said you're from Argentina I said that I was born in Argentina you're born in Argentina okay that's <laughs> really tricky for me <laughs> Man, I think though, I mean, I'm not trying to just, uh, I don't know if I can play this game this way, but I think it's the same as Mary. I think it's the only child thing. But because I said it first, no, I just. <laughs> okay, All right. Which one is it? Actually, I am an only child. <laughs> no! <laughs> no. And I was not born in Argentina. I'm Colombian. Oh, okay. I, I don't, well, okay. I thought you were from Colombia, but then I was like, she could have been born in Argentina. That's the tricky preset. <laughs> oh, man. Are you recording an album right now? I am, actually. I mean, I'm finished. Uh, oh, wow. It's in the mixing process. It's, an, it's a worship album. Wow. So cool. I'm excited one of the things that. that happened during 2020. It was a, quite an unusual year, but I was beyond blessed despite everything. Yeah. Super cool. Maybe when things uh, settle down and all that kind of stuff, you could uh, come back out here. That's the way we can get you back to Sank is you can do a little concert for us. Great. 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 Well, thank you guys for playing along. Uh, Obviously these are our two special guests. You're a special guest too, Mary, but these are extra, extra special guests. Um, And the reason that we brought Juanita and Catherine with us is to talk about this topic I've already mentioned is uh, COVID and specifically how it relates with us as a community, as a church. Again, I'll get a lot of questions, Mary. I'm sure you've gotten them as well. Just like, well, we're uh, young adults. Like, why can't we get back together yet? And so we we brought in Catherine in wanting to not only because they're part of the community, which is super cool, and we love to hear from them, but also because they uh, are in the medical field and uh, they can speak to this in a way that a lot of us just don't quite understand. We're not as knowledgeable. So uh, maybe that's a good place to start. Can you guys just tell us uh, even what you're you're studying or where you're at and, and sort of your unique t- uh, ability to see just COVID in this entire uh, situation? Maybe Juanita, why don't you, you start? Sure. So I'm a pediatrician and I'm currently doing a subspecialty in allergy and immunology at Stanford. And I'm focusing on my research mostly on immunodeficiencies. That is my personal favorite topic. Um, So it's quite relevant. I'm not specifically working with COVID patients or like researching the virus per se. 
but I think overall what I do in like what I'm training in is quite relevant in, in the in the sense of it's pretty much all about our immune system and how it responds to or doesn't respond to the infection. So wow. it's been a very interesting uh, season for me being on, on the on the field and, and just being able to learn from a lot of people that are indeed like working on the virus and getting wow. their like like firsthand information. So it's it's been pretty good. Thank God. Wow. That's incredible. That's crazy. So your emphasis is uh, specifically in immunizations. Is that what you said? The Im- immune deficiencies, but also oh, okay. Uh, like basically, the one of the best ways we have to test how the immune system works overall is how we respond to immunizations. So whether right. or not we can actually um, recognize what is given to us, and if we're ready, actually ready to to fight another infection and another encounter with the same pathogen. Gotcha. Okay. Well, and just, I want to be super honest with you guys. You're going to see me nodding a lot and pretending like I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Most of the time I don't, but uh, just, I'm going to play with you. Okay. All right, Catherine, how about you? (laughs) I'm very glad that Juanita is here as a real expert. Um, (laughs) But my relation to the medical field confuses a lot of people um, because I'm in a combined degree program. So basically I am I'm currently training to be a physician scientist at Stanford. And what that means is that I'm doing med school and a PhD. <clears throat> and the whole hope of that is that, um, that I would be able to be a doctor who would be actively doing science. So hopefully taking into science, like what are the problems that really need to be addressed? What are patients facing? How can we bring that into science? And then like from science, how do we take those things that we're finding and bring them back to benefit patient health. And there are multiple ways to become physician scientists, like Juanita is doing research, and so she's also becoming a physician scientist. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's basically how I'm situated in all of this. Um, I am a fifth year in my program at Stanford, and it's approximately eight years long, but can take longer. So yeah, please don't graduate. I think that's a perfect place to come from, Catherine, because that is, to me, that's sort of the crosshairs of where a lot of the issues come with the Christian community in regards to certain kind of medical uh, issues is like, how do we approach science with our faith? And so I'm so excited both of you can speak into that a little bit. Okay, okay, so let's jump in to this question. And we've got some questions that I I prepped you guys with a little bit. These are common questions I hear. Mary, at any time, if if there's a question you think of, uh, feel free to jump in and um, we'll just go through these. And and the hope, if you're listening, the hope is that this would bring clarity to our community. This would just help people. That's that's the goal of this. It's not to uh, show off how smart these two are, even though I'm sure we'll get that as well. But uh, we just want to help uh, us all understand, and we want to uh, we want to show Christ even in these kind of situations that are so hard, right? Okay, so this is sort of the first question I probably get the most from Sank, and that is uh, like we are young adults, uh, and I'm loosely for me, right? <laughs> but in theory, the ministry is young adults, and so we are super low on. Um, the, uh, the, the genre of people that this can actually like really affect. Right. And so that's been a common thread I've heard. It's like, well, why can't at least we meet, uh, we're a low impact group. 
So, so what's the harm in that? So uh, one of you guys want to take a stab at that? So I, I think there are still a lot of things that we don't understand about the virus. I, I want to open with that because uh, all of these statements that we're going to say today are basically expressing what we know, but there's much more that we don't know. So, so far what we know is that there are people that are at a higher risk of having a severe infection or a mortality risk. And those are typically elder uh, with some associated, what we call comorbidities, basically other conditions that make you more fragile, like diabetes, obesity, hypertension, heart disease, kidney issues, that kind of like come with the territory of being older. Mm. Nevertheless, there have been many, many, many cases of people that are young, like not only young adults, but actually adolescents and even children, not, not so many children, but a few that have died in similar scenarios to what we typically hear in the news about the people that die with COVID. That is a lot of um, respiratory issues that end up needing ICU admission that need to be like put on a ventilator to breathe like for them. And then they finally succumb to the infection. And what we've come to understand about the virus is that it produces an overwhelming inflammatory response. And when I say inflammation, I don't want people to think of like swelling or edema. Mm. You know, it's not fluid accumulation. It's more the immune system being like on uh, like an, uh, an overwhelming activation trying to kill the virus. And then it ends up being hurtful to other tissues. So, and we have not found a good predictor of who is actually going to fall into a severe category. So hmm. people that are elder and have these other conditions are more likely to fall into that category, but it's not a, like a clear cut. It's like you cannot possibly get there if you're younger. So that's the first thing. So we assume we are in a lower risk, but that's a very blurry like box, if you will. Additionally, and I think that's where I stand in terms of uh, also as a physician, but I also as a young adult is I have a responsibility to protect my community, right? Mm. It's not about me because I've heard people and I potentially myself have thought of this. It's like, I don't care if I get sick. You know, it's like, hope, like chances are I'm going to be okay. But the thing is, if I get sick or even if I don't get sick, but I get the virus, I'm potentially able to transmit it into other people that might not be able to fight it. So standing, especially from a community that is like aware of the responsibility that we have in our community, not only as individuals, but also as Christians, is what would Jesus do, right? And Jesus was all about people, all about loving people and protecting people and standing for people's rights. And I think most, like the, the biggest deal here is protecting others. So wherever or whenever I meet with people that have been or any people like whenever I go into clinic or anything I wear my mask not because I'm concerned I'm going to catch the virus is because I want to pass it on to anyone especially because my patients are so fragile that I don't want I need to protect them that's kind of like my my not concern but my responsibility my commitment so I think anybody any age, any health condition should think not only on what's the deal with ourselves, what's the deal with all of our community. We all have relatives 
that are, or friends or random acquaintances that are in the category of slightly higher risk. So if you don't do it for yourself, do it for them, right? Mm. Yeah, I, I completely love that response. And um, I feel like I have so many directions that I would want to go in. <laughs> so I apologize if I spew a lot of random things, but yeah, like, I feel like we, we follow a chef. I, I get really sad when I hear Christians saying, oh, it affects, um, like 99% of people are fine. Like maybe 1%, less than 1% of people will die. But we follow a shepherd who like says, like I have a flock of a hundred sheep. I leave the 99 to go take care of the 1%, right? We, we follow a God who cares about the poor and the marginalized and the vulnerable. Um, and um, yeah, so I think that's so important. And the other thing I think sometimes we miss is like, less than one percent that's the number of people who die but how many people are getting hospitalized like can they pay for their bills it's so expensive and it there's also a lot of reports coming out that are saying that people have long-lasting symptoms so six months after they get disease they're they still haven't cleared the illness and sometimes they're getting new diseases a lot of people are saying that they can't work as many hours at their job as they previously could um people are there are reports that people have permanent or potentially really long lasting damage to their heart, to their brain, mm. like this inflammatory response that Juanita was talking about. It's kind of like our body is like, there's an invader we need to attack. And so a lot of our very essential organs become collateral damage. And we, we're seeing really long lasting consequences of that. And I think the idea that there's so much we don't know is should be humbling because it's not just older people who are getting this. This is younger people. So potentially um, someone who's young and healthy might not die, but maybe they'll have like some kind of heart condition that makes it really dangerous for them to exercise or they have a brain fog and they can't work at the same degree mm. that they can before. And so it actually means that I don't want to get the virus and I don't want anybody I know or love to get the virus. Um, just on a like more personal note, like I um, went into medicine because I, um, I lost my mom. And so for me, it's just like every life is so precious. And sometimes when we hear these big numbers, like 425,000 deaths, like it's so abstract. Um, it really matters. Wow. Well, that's why this is so important to talk about this as a faith community, because what you guys both alluded to is this reality, uh, the value of a human life and the value that God, each life is a uh, is a creation created in the image of God. Um, and, and Jesus shows us the example of laying down our lives uh, for others. I love that so much. Uh, Mary, I'm curious what you think. I'm sort of skipping around here, but uh, so we've got on this one side, like we just talked about, like this, this need to look out for others and humility and not just thinking of ourselves. Uh, how do you balance that? How have you balanced that as like, you know, a pastor, as a leader of a, of a community with that, the importance of worship, like, you know, the importance of gathering and uh, community, like how, how do you sort of, how have you navigated those two? Um, yeah, it's thanks for asking. It's been super complicated <laughs> and also simple but 
you know, I think talking with just to just to quickly piggyback off Catherine, um, she did share that story of her her mom with me. And uh, at a time when, you know, I'm hearing all these sides and I'm wrestling with these thoughts. And she said, man, if I just even had, you know, another year with my mom, I'd, I'd be blessed mm-hmm. by anybody who gave that. And and I talked I bought a coffee this morning from a lady in Pleasanton. And I didn't even notice, I was just in a kind of a haze this morning, that it, it took her a really long time to make it. And she came out in sobbing and um, and she's like, coffee's on me. You know, it took me a while. I'm like, uh. <laughs> she says, I just got really good news. And her mom um, has been in the hospital in South Lake Tahoe with COVID, unresponsive, and they were making end of life plans. And I guess uh, the, the doctor called and said she, start, she started to respond to you, you know, when you called her last night and now we're not sure we should, you know, we're going to start moving forward with recovery. And um, I mean, she was just sobbing. And so when I, I talk to some people in there, they tell me, you know, it's people with pre-existing conditions. We can't really say it's COVID, but again, it's that idea that one, two more years can be, can be so precious. And I mean, I lost a parent too. And I, I, I know you have Adam like that. That's so true. It's, it's still life and it's still, um, something we can do for, to not just care for people, but care for their loved ones and, and, um, demonstrate what a value we do put on, on life. But I think when you talk about worship, oh boy, <laughs> a big question. I think, um, the truth is, you know, uh, Worship is is not just singing. It's how we live our lives for Jesus. And uh, I work with students and we do know, yeah, students can get it. Um, Students can even die from it, but it's just, it's not as common. We haven't seen it as commonly. And you would not believe the number of parents desperate for their students to have something to do right now. Anything live, anything in person, they'll, they'll send them. And I mean, uh, Catherine's group has actually, they have met safely in person when it was safe to do so. They met outside with masks and the students were, were thrilled. Um, but, you know, at, at this time, I think what I do, I wrestle between um, this question, caring for my, my brother and my sister and also caring for these students and, and Christians um, because we know that drawing people in a community and being together um, is, is, is life in so many ways, you know, where we're gathered, Christ is there. Uh, so really, um, whatever I do, I want to do it, um, out of love. And so, um, the way, the, the way that we have engaged, um, this worship has been in, in service to others. So, uh, we've <laughs> taken kids to hand out groceries, um, to the mostly, um, a very affected population, which is, uh, our, our, um, Hispanic and Latino population in Mountain View. We did that at Christmas and we did this big giveaway. Uh, and it was, you know, I'd say, gosh, well over 500 cars came through. Uh, we prayed for them at the end. Um, something we called it Posada. It's a tradition, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the, it was the cars coming through and we did a big celebration in the beginning and then handouts at the end. And I, I felt like that was an act of worship. It's something the kids can participate in. That's not, um, just hanging out with their friends, uh, but really draws our mind to the heart of God, allows us to participate in his work. And um, and in that, we've done a couple of events through Menlo too, backpack drive, hygiene kit drive for those who are living on the street. Uh, we've done, um, you know, our Christmas drive through, Halloween drive through, we've done things like that. And each time, tons of volunteers coming out. And I think directing them towards service brings them together in a way that 
uh, really is life-giving, can combat a lot of depression and even anxiety in, in being outside of yourself. Um, and in that, I also have to, there's sacrifice. There's always sacrifice in serving. And so I have to give up some of my own social circle or, you know, seeing my parent, my mom for a little while, or I, I have to do what I think is uh, the most loving thing to my community, to the kids, to my family. And I think um, holding that line that this is what I'm doing authentically out of love for God and because of his love for us um, and not giving in to my mom who says, just come home whenever <laughs> or not giving in to, uh, you know, a community that says we should just hang out, things like that. Uh, it's very personal. I'm not, I don't want to judge anybody else um, because it's personal to them too, but it is a, it is a, a pull all the time. Yeah. 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 Man, uh, everything you guys are saying is just hidden home for me so much. I think uh, just sort of summarizing a little bit, like uh, it's so true when you can take uh, a narrative that it, we see on the news or we see uh, painted and you can turn that into a real person. Uh, sort of like you said, Catherine, with your mom, or when we think of uh, the, the lady that served you coffee and all of a sudden it becomes an actual human being. It, it makes the uh, the issue so real and so personal, it sort of changes our approach. And and that could be, I mean, going away from COVID, like this could be all the stuff we see with politics. Uh, this could be so much of the polarization we see in our world right now of like, sometimes I just wonder if we could get one-on-one with a person and actually see this as a human being, like that just starts changing our perception perception. So I think that's great. And then uh, also too, I, I think I've said this to several people, my hope in this time is that our theology of worship will uh, be increased and will grow. And we'll stop thinking, like you said, Mary, of worship as something that takes place in a room at 7 p.m. Uh, that's that's not what we see biblically. That's not what the early church mostly met in houses. And it wasn't a big Let's look at this big thing that's taking place on a stage. And so uh, it's hard, but I'm also excited. I hope there's some growth in all of us of like, oh, wait a second. That's never what this was supposed to be, uh, songs in a sermon and some coffee afterwards. Uh, so love that as well. Okay, let's let's keep going. Um, okay, how about this? So go, going off the polarization piece, like, can you guys speak into, you know, I think there is a little bit of perception of, isn't this like a media driven narrative or a certain political party narrative, or is this like, uh, isn't this just a normal, like flu cold type thing? Is it actually contagious and harmful? And you, and you sort of already alluded to some of that, but I think it could be important to speak to that a little bit since you've actually been a little more up close of what, what it is. Uh, I should guess I should pick on one of you. Um, let's go with Juanita again. So I think there is a lot of polarization in general, like people take, like, like they choose a position and they try to defend it with their, the best of their, their ability and with their best intention. So I think we need to understand that, like, we need to focus on, on facts that can be sustained by like a reproducible method, right? Because at the end of the day, it cannot be a matter of opinions because opinions are neither bad or good. It's just your opinion, right? Like, I cannot blame you for thinking that way if you genuinely think that way, right? But there are some data and, and things that are consistent 
that might actually help us make an informed decision. So yes, there's a lot of politics and a lot of, of stuff that I I don't necessarily know much about. I'm not even American, so there's a lot of background that I don't even understand. But there's a lot of science that, that goes into, into this. And I, I, despite like the personal interests in the different scientists that have been involved or their political affiliation, I really genuinely believe that overall people are trying to find uh, objective ways to help and to identify what's happening, how to make it better, how to anticipate what's gonna happen next. So my recommendation in this regard would be, let's go to, to sources of information that are reliable. There's a lot of information that goes through social media that is just snowballing. And we don't even know who said that or how did they come up with this information or with this recommendation? I know it comes from overall, like a genuine intention to help, but sometimes our best intentions are, are end up being harmful because we don't know enough, right? So I, I would say beyond politics and beyond anything, this is a very real thing. This is actually happening sometimes we're so like removed from the scenario, like we've been locked up at home for like a year and we haven't actually met any case with COVID. And it, it seems like virtual reality to some extent is like, this has to be made up. This cannot possibly like be happening, but it is mm. it's happening not only here or there in California, not only in the US, it's happening like worldwide. And it's, scary in a sense like I don't I don't think in our lifetime we had ever experienced something that it was so real for everyone in the world right there are some situations that are so local that people don't actually care much because it's like oh it doesn't actually affect me but this is affecting everyone and mm. it's a real thing so despite our political affiliations this is happening so my recommendation is just go to the source of the information that you're following and check it like let's let's make sure that this is actually real that is and before anybody shares because you have no idea how many how many like threats and whatsapp and like all sorts of things that my even my family sends from colombia and it's like where did you get this from like plain <laughs> life right and yeah. then i've been educating my parents and my uncles and aunts and ever because this is i know they mean well Yes. But not all information is actually true. So I think that's the bottom line. Yeah, uh, that's, that's so good. Uh, just a quick interruption here. Uh, this week, I'm preaching at Sank about critical thinking and loving God with our minds. And in my research, uh, there's a 2014 study done uh, that showed that the people most susceptible to conspiracy theories were people that believed in in the supernatural mm -hmm. and people that believed that uh, in a good and in versus evil. And so obviously that is Christians are a part of that group. And, and it was just interesting reading the study of like how uh, people that have that inclination already just tend to go to any kind of information that is very concrete. And that is very like paints one uh, group out as evil and one is good. And this is, uh, it, it just, it was fascinating to me of like what we're talking about this weekend at, at sync is just like using our minds, using, uh, good questions, um, along with our faith. Right. So anyways, that's, that's really good stuff. Catherine, anything you would add to that? 
Yeah, and I do apologize for the lawnmower in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it happened now. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Professional podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> it's the background soundtrack. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is something I have been thinking a lot about the misinformation. And I love Juanita that you start out by saying that like people have good intentions because I totally believe that. I think one way that we can honor each other is for the most part to recognize, um, to give people the charitable interpretation to like think that other people want the best. Like it really isn't like one group of people just wants humans to be in pain and suffer. Um, so I think that's really important. And then in terms of, then that people have such different views, like how do you determine how to go forward? And I think this is where science is really helpful. Um, I think science gives a lot of best practices for discovering knowledge that we can rely on because when we think about like, why do we fall into traps of believing lies and misinformation? And one of them is like, well, we have confirmation bias. Like we, what we already think, anything that fits our worldview, we're like, yes, that fits. And then everything that doesn't fit, we kind of like throw it aside. And so some of the guardrails that are in science are like, you you blind your analysis. So you collect your data, but you, for instance, you're saying like, is a vaccine safe or not? You want the vaccine to be safe, right? So you might imagine some people being like, oh, they don't really have a bad reaction. It's fine if they do, right? But that's sure. why we blind them. So people who are collecting the data, they don't know if you got a vaccine or not. That way we don't let those biases seep in. Or like one thing we do is we fixate a lot on like an anecdote, like this one person, they like, something terrible happened to them. They got eaten by a shark or something. And that like is very rare, but like sometimes we're prone to overemphasize certain pieces of information. But in science, we try to use large group sizes and we have groups where we don't give them something and groups where we give them something. And then you see, is there a difference in the rate? So I think, um, yeah, those are really good things that help us like trust science more and people publish this so you can actually see what is their study design and do I trust that or do I not? And I think one really important part about science is not being tethered to a particular position. So if the evidence shifts, then we have to shift our position. And I think one way we saw this happening really well is in the advice around masks. So at first there wasn't a lot of data about SARS-CoV-2 and like, oh, they're like other coronaviruses, they're probably on droplets, probably masks won't help that much and we need to save them for the doctors anyways. And then over time we realized, oh no, that's not true. Like they travel in aerosols and masks actually help a lot. And now there are so many different studies on different angles, like different ways of studying the same question. And the preponderance of evidence is just overwhelming and it's like yes this is helpful and we should use it and so I think that's really important and I think in our own lives when we're trying to figure out information I think that's really important not to be so tethered to we don't do research already having opinion going in yeah right that's so good I, I'm so fascinated by like biases and like the amount of listed biases biases there are. and you mentioned confirmation bias which is a lot like self-serving bias 
which I, I do all the time. Like after I eat a bowl of ice cream, I'll, I'll Google, I'll be like, like, what are the health benefits of whole milk, you know, or something like that. I'm like, see, it's, it's pretty much good for me. I'm fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We want to make sure, uh, confirm what we already, uh, the actions we're already taking. That's so good. Okay. So Mary, I've got another question for you. Um, so the, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this because this is a little more, it's not necessarily theological, but it's just like, it's, it's going down the Christian route again. Um, and it's a concern of just like, I have gotten questions and just thoughts of uh, what about being sort of fearless and courageous uh, when it comes to things like this? Like, doesn't like wearing mask or not meeting together in worship, isn't that showing that I don't trust God or like we're afraid or can you, can you speak into that a little bit of how, um, yeah, how do we approach that as, as followers of Jesus? Yeah, I, I, oh gosh, I think that um, I, I might have touched on it with just kind of how I've been wrestling with it you know, over the past several months, but um, everything has to be done. I, I mean, this is where I, I love, Catherine, your your exposition on, on science, because God, you know, God is a God of truth. And when we pursue truth, we also find God's heart. And so science is very helpful in that, even though we, you know, it can't answer all our questions, but I think I, I also like to treat the Bible this way, you know, if, if I, um, if my actions are in line with God's heart, that's expressed, you know, everywhere in the Bible, and in particular, in, in several books in the prophets, you know, where God is speaking, <laughs> those are his words. Um, and then in Jesus life, then I, I have some, I have some confirmation that I'm, I'm in step with, with Jesus. And so when I look at the prophets, um, gosh, God is talking to the rich who are not taking care of the poor so many times or the vulnerable who are not taking, you know, or the, those who aren't vulnerable who are not taking care of those who are. And so I, I do think that there has been uh, responses out of fear. I think there have been responses out of fear, um, deep anxiety. Um, and I can't judge anybody for anxiety and fear. I have it too, <laughs> but, but to be honest, um, we, you know, perfect love does cast out that, that fear in certain ways. So, so in, 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 when I say in certain ways, I mean, in the way that God's heart should be leading us. So I am sometimes nervous to go into communities that I know probably have high cases of coronavirus of COVID. Uh, but if God's heart is in those communities, cause that's where the vulnerable are and they're not getting their groceries and they don't have heat in their, in their home. And so they are coming out to the park, you know, where they can be active, uh, and that's where the spread of COVID's happening. I do need to trust that God is leading me to serve. And so, um, and this is, you know, this has been traditionally what Christians do when they go to the mission field. Uh, there's a lot of danger and we don't have all the immunities that, that people of other countries might have. And um, there is a risk of death when we follow God uh, in love. I'm not saying everyone's called to do that either. Absolutely not. You know, that's just not something everyone's called to do. But when I imagine that we are not to be given to a spirit of fear, but one of love, that's where I imagine expressing that in, in our love for our fellow human beings who are vulnerable and who are sick and uh, who we can actually serve. Um, when I hear, you know, we're not given to a spirit of fear, but to love. And so, you know, let's do what we want. I think that that's taking advantage of a, that can be taking advantage of a position of, of really a little bit of privilege. And when I say privilege, I do live in my 
apartment where I'm not going out and seeing people because my home doesn't have, you know, any kind of heat or internet. Um, I do have all those things. I can be quarantined. And so, uh, so, so my preferences, um, are, are, might be putting others at risk, which is the definition of, you know, of living in that higher level that, that God was, was speaking against in a lot of the prophets and that Jesus spoke against, uh, when he was here on earth and he spoke against religious leaders who utilized their power to maintain a a position that they wanted, but that wasn't healthy for those or wasn't good for those um, who were in need and more vulnerable. So I I try as hard as, you know, always with the things I, not always, but (laughs) my intention is to always compare my actions and what I want, my heart, uh, even my prayers with what's in the word of God. And we all know that when we're praying desperately, a lot of times, um, what is shadowing out, what is drowning out the voice of God in those prayers uh, is our own emotional desire. And as something that came from C.S. Lewis years ago, you know, he's like, sometimes you, you believe so strongly you've heard the voice of God because you're desperate for uh, what you want him to say. And so that's why it is so important to go back to the word of God and um, those spiritual um, people in your life who can kind of help to help you to hear that voice of God clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. And I I think people will probably get tired of me bringing this up again, but uh, to your point, Mary, like I I keep for the past two years, I keep going back to Philippians two and, and this, uh, this beautiful uh, little piece of like poetry that talks about the heart of Jesus Mm. and sort of what you're saying, Mary, it's like uh, when you go to serve somebody out of love, uh, that is a sacrificial act. And, and I think part of what we have to hold ourselves up to with the example of Jesus is like, uh, is my act, are my actions for my own benefit or are they for in order to sacrifice and lift others up, like you're saying? And and so many times, like uh, uh, we, can, we can manipulate scripture or our own uh, agenda in order for the things that we want, like, uh, like, is this ma- like the way I approach a uh, mask or like how I approach um, my actions I take during this time, is this a laying down and sacrificing for other people? Or is this because this is, I don't like this, or this is not comfortable uh, for me. Um, super interesting. Okay. Let's keep moving. This is going to be a four hour podcast. I'm okay <laughs> uh, let's talk about vaccines for a second, because I don't know anything about us. <laughs> I can't even uh, I can't even explain what they are, obviously. Um, but a couple of questions with this, I, I just love for you guys to break down a little bit uh, now that we're in the like we're in the beginning stages. Uh, so first one would be like now that the vaccine is out, like can't we just start me like next week? What's the <laughs> what are we waiting on now? So that'd be sort of the first question. Uh, and then the second one would be something I, we were talking before the podcast of just what we've probably all heard from a family member or friend is like, is this actually safe? Uh, like, should I take it? Should a loved one of mine take it? So, uh, yeah, to you guys. Catherine, let's start with you this time. And then Juanita, you can follow her up. Um, sorry, I just blinked really quickly. What was the first question again? Oh, no, that's fine. Uh, two-parters. Um, uh, can we start meeting immediately? Like, you know, oh. now that it's out, like, what's going to be the timeline? What's the holdup? Yeah, so right now we know that the vaccine is extremely effective at preventing symptomatic disease and like 
incredibly like effective at preventing severe disease. Actually, in the trials, it was basically 100% prevention of severe disease for COVID. So it really does protect us. What we don't know yet is if it prevents us from getting the asymptomatic disease where you have COVID, but you don't have any symptoms at all, but you can still spread the disease. And right now we know that people who don't have symptoms and who don't know they have disease, either because they never get symptoms or because they haven't gotten symptoms yet, probably account for half of all the infections. So so right now it is still really important for all vaccinated people to wear a mask. And as more data comes out and we see how safe it is, then that will change. And then once we get to a point where maybe um, 70, 80% of the population is vaccinated, or has antibodies against it, then the virus will slowly start to die out. And at that point, we can, we will be able to congregate like normal and not do any of these um, social distancing practices. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, Juanita, what would you say on either either one of those questions? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a responsible thing to do to maintain the same practices until we know enough of how, how much more protection we get from the vaccine because again like sometimes i think people because this has happened to me several times when patients come to my clinic they think that i know things that i don't want to tell them mm. right and truth is we don't know many things and this applies to science in general to medicine there are many more things that we don't know than the ones mm. that we do know so we we have to work with the ones we know and do our or give our recommendations based on those but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's an absolute truth that cannot change right so far what we know is great you will probably most likely not die from COVID if you're vaccinated but that doesn't necessarily mean that you the people around you cannot get the virus and die from it if if you have it and you pass it on right so for now and i would say for the and this is pure speculation, but I would say around two or three more months until we get more significant chunk of the population vaccinated, um, that's going to still be the case. So I don't know if this is good information or kind of like a bummer, uh, but I, I don't want to, because people sometimes expect that this is going to be a mass vaccination, like in a matter of days or weeks, and then we're done. Hopefully that's the case, but this is a large country, so we would need like 280 million vaccines. Uh, and we're doing it as, as fast as possible, but that's gonna take a little. Yeah. So that's the first one. And then in terms of security, uh, overall, like there are two, the, the two vaccines that have been recently, or that were approved first were the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna one. So these two are actually fascinating in, in terms of the scientific background because it's, mm. it's a new version or a new approach to make a vaccine. Typically, what we have done through history so far was let's, we started with the, the very virus or the very pathogen. We give it to you, we hope for the best, and then the next time that you catch it, you're prepared, but you actually get the disease. Then we pass from this to now let's modify the virus or the whatever, so it doesn't actually get you that sick. And then once you actually encounter the next time, it's not gonna be as bad because you're prepared. This one is different because this actually doesn't take the whole uh, pathogen. It only takes 
a piece of information, kind of like the recipe, if you will, hmm. that allows you to identify the protein of the virus so that you're prepared to like uh, respond against it, but you don't actually have the virus at all. Hmm. And this is what it's called messenger RNA. So I don't want to get too technical here, but typically we have DNA in our in our cells that is kind of like the, the very genetic code that is so fragile. So we, we need to convert genetic code into proteins. That's the bottom line of, of biology. And the messenger or the, the way we translate genes into proteins is the RNA. So we're giving the RNA of the virus so that the body can get ready for a potential encounter, but we're not giving the virus. And this is like phenomenal, like yeah. from a scientific standpoint, this is just brilliant. And I just, when I hmm. realized that was the case, I really, I was praising God for whoever wow. came up with that idea because it's brilliant. And wow. it, it has to be like inspired by God. This is phenomenal. So wow. having said that, it is new, right? So there are hmm. many things that we still don't know about. So far, like the, the the studies that were done for both Pfizer and Moderna, they used tens of thousands of people. So we know some, we know the, the general, uh, like the expected side effects, there are some allergic reactions. So there are some like guidelines on, for people that have some allergic history. They, there are some nuances on how to get it or when to get it and so forth. Uh, but overall, security wise, there, there have not been significant side effects as, I mean, there have been deaths associated with this. I cannot say that it's not, it's not possible because it has happened, but it's much more likely for it not to happen than for it to happen. Yeah. So I myself have been vaccinated and those two vaccines come in, in, in two. So you actually need two doses, three or four weeks apart, depending on the type of vaccine. Um, and I, I feel like one, I'm, I'm very grateful that I was part of like the first tier of people that got vaccinated, but I also feel like it gives me a, a more objective way to reassure people. It's like, I myself got it and I'm recommending you to get it, not out of a theoretical perspective, but I, I did it and it went great. The first dose, no symptoms. The second dose, I was like a little tired, but I was not sick. I was not nothing. I was like, maybe I didn't get much sleep, but I just happened to have the vaccine. So let's blame it on the vaccine, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the very next day, life was as usual. No, no mm -hmm. So I would highly recommend it. If you can get it, get it, right? Mm -hmm. There are some nuances yeah. with the allergy potential and we're, we're learning how to approach it and how to, who needs to, to get like tested before that or who needs to, uh, just be observed after getting it, should there be any reaction. But overall, go for it. Uh, it's it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I have a question that might be dumb. So uh, science people don't, you know, be warned. But um, if, if I get the vaccine, can I be a carrier after that? Yes, you can potentially uh, get the virus. Like you, you can have the infection, if you will. Okay. But you may not show any symptoms, so you mm, okay. may potentially not even notice. So mm. that's why we need to to keep the, the same restrictions, if you will, until the the presence of the virus in the environment in, in our communities is is has dropped enough that it is safe to approach life as 
like business as usual. I see. And if you've had, this is my, maybe I don't want to go too long, but if you've had COVID, um, I, I know some people who've, who've been told they've had it twice. Is that, is that, do we know enough about COVID to know you can get it multiple times and carry it after you've had it, things like that? Or is that something we're learning? Does anybody know that? Um, I, I do not. <laughs> Um, reinfection has happened, like credible reinfection, mm-hmm. um, but it's extremely, extremely rare. Okay. Okay. Hmm. And then on that point, sometimes reinfection has been called reinfection just out of persistence of the virus. Oh, so interesting. The serum that by two weeks you're completely done, and then we check you in three weeks and you're still positive, and we call it, oh, you have it again. It is possible that you have never cleared it. Like you're still in the same one infection. Mm-hmm. But Catherine mentioned there have been clearly like reinfections, but they are the kind of like the exception, mm-hmm. not the rule. Yeah. yeah. You guys did such an amazing job explaining that that I mostly understood what you were talking about throughout that. So that's really good. And my, I don't know if you got this, Mary. My favorite part is when you guys started talking about how amazing and fascinating this this kind of vaccine is, and how your faces lit up talking about that. It's like Mary's face when she talks about board games. My face when I I talk about like barbecue or something. It's so cool. You guys are like, whoa. Like, uh, but, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I'm happy because you're happy. Good. <laughs> yes, I'm happy because you're happy. Uh, but man, I love what you said, Juanita. Like, I, I think this is part of the the learning we can all have in this time of, like you said, praising God for this. Like, uh, you know, for us to to see Christ in the middle of of these kind of things, and not to segment ourselves and distance ourselves, um, whether it's science or whether, uh, you know, whatever the issue is and search for God in the midst of that. That's that's so good. Okay. A couple more questions. These are a little more just like, um, I I don't know, emotional, personal kind of things. And and I think it's important, uh, to hear from all of us uh, on this a little bit. Uh, cause again, I've, I've heard, um, some of these, what, what would you guys just speak into when it comes to like loneliness and depression? And just missing community. Um, and I know this is not like, you're, there's no area of expertise. This is just uh, just ways that we can help people because this is is so hard. Yeah. Catherine? Yeah, I think that's so important. Um, I think when we do anything hard, we benefit from being encouraged by each other. So I think us encouraging each other to stay strong is really important. Like, I guess Juanita talked about how it, this is such a weird time, right? And said, like, when else would we go through an experience like this? Think about it. Like, like I went into medicine hoping that maybe I could save lives, right? But now, like, all we have to do is stay home, wear a mask, and you're saving lives and potentially more than I will ever save like, from all the research that I'm doing. Like, wow. this is a big deal. And, like, we got to be a part of this and we can... Um, like encourage people in this like it's hard and it feels weird and it feels like we're not doing anything but we're doing so much we're crushing this virus it's like humans against the virus and we're winning and like Juanita said like scientists are geeking out about the vaccines because they're so cool and they're so like incredibly effective and so there's like a I think just sharing in that celebration but also recognizing it is a sacrifice it's like we're giving up a lot 
but it's it's worth it. And totally, there are so many ways that we can still be supporting each other, I'm calling friends, um, co-working. Uh, sometimes I co-work on Zoom and my roommates and I now like co-work in the living room. <laughs> um, and it's really fun. Um, yeah. I, I haven't guess. heard of that phrase, co- co-working. Is that like working along somebody, alongside somebody online? Um, yeah, it might just be what we called it, but... <laughs> No, but yeah, cool. like you, you just like have a bunch of people on Zoom and then you just, everybody's doing their work, but you just see other people's faces and you feel more That's connected. Cool. Um, one of the th- fun things I've been able to do is like I've connected with somebody um, who's in a nursing home and we just like call and email once in a while. So that's wow. really fun. I think it's really important for us to actually not neglect community. Um, and yes. sorry, I know I've talked for a while, but I just think this is kind of an interesting time, right? When acting communally means staying apart and that's so weird and so counterintuitive so like I think as Christians we can look at Jesus and be like he brought life by dying that's weird that's counterintuitive (laughs) Um, like had power in his weakness and we have power in weakness when we're thinking about like that's so weird it's like no like like we are used to living in this world of nuance and it is strange and it's hard but I think there's a lot of ways we can reframe our thinking around it that'll preach Catherine that was good (laughs) that was real good Juanita how about you what would you say it's a it's a hard answer here because it's I don't think there's like a a recipe that fits everyone um but I think for once it is okay to be vulnerable like it's not like frowned upon to feel lonely or to like need community or feel like you're no matter how extroverted or introverted you are like you you're craving connection right and i think recognizing that in ourselves and in others allows us to connect and to reach out and to um sometimes we we feel like we are the only ones in the world that are feeling like this but actually the entire world is right right? so there's a lot of empathy and a lot of like kind of like me too kind of thing so it's easier to connect um and connection as as Catherine mentioned requires distance but it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to bear it on my own because we we were not created created for that right Uh, we need each other and one of the beautiful things about this particular time in history that like technology has allowed us to stay connected in, in ways that would otherwise maintain us uh, busy, you know, like before quarantine and before everything, everybody was so focused on the social media and whatever that we were kind of like neglecting to some extent our actual physical connections. And now this very thing is what is allowing us to stay connected. So mm. I think it's it's kind of like, again, finding like in the middle of the situation that we can not necessarily change like in a blink of an eye staying focused on on what is working what what is what is good uh, and and that has at least for me created a lot of like deep relationships and friendships that are otherwise would have been kind of like casual acquaintances on a personal actual personal like meeting because it would have been like a much more shallow conversation but nowadays it's like oh like i need it someone to talk to and like this happened and the people are much more raw if you will that's so and true. that's 
there's a lot of power in that because there's also a lot of um, like freedom in being able to, to be weak when we are weak and finding God's strength in that. And a lot of times God's strength is manifest in people that are encouraging us and that are praying for us. And sometimes we are the miracle for someone else, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. There, there's a lot of beauty behind it. And also, God willing, this will not last as much as long, right? It's not like it's yeah. going to vanish suddenly, but slowly we're going to be able to meet outdoors again. And like slowly we're kind of like going back to some sort of fit, like in-person connection. And yeah. that's also something to look forward to. So yeah. in the meantime, it's like, yes, we are all suffering, but we don't have to suffer alone. Let's connect. And let's look forward to what God is doing. God, I generally, in my personal life, and this is going to sound very weird, but 2020 was one of the best years in my life. Wow. Because God was much more real, right? Wow. In ways that I knew about him in that way, but I had never experienced him myself. And now yeah. he's much more real, much more tangible. Uh, so... I can certainly praise God for 2020, although I, if I could, I would have skipped it altogether, right? <laughs> but now, like in hindsight, it's like, yay, like God is awesome in the middle wow. of it all. Like in the middle of the storm, yeah. he's still in our boat, right? He's still, yeah. he is still Jesus. He's still God. He's not done being God. So yeah. yes, and let's be a community that like is, is united and connected no matter how like far away, like in this very moment, I'm in a different state and yet here right, I am, right. right? So this is awesome. And I don't know, I, I just, I know I, I don't want to like diminish the, like the severity or the gravity of, of what is happening, but there's always like a brighter side. Like it's a matter of perspective. And if we keep our eyes on God, our perspective will always get better because he's all, yeah. always good. Even when life isn't. Yeah. Always, always, always. Wow. Okay. That was sermon number two. You guys are uh, <laughs> you're embarrassing me right now. You make preaching look so easy. Uh, Mary, anything you'd uh, want to add on to just helping people deal with loneliness, depression yeah. in the midst of all this? I mean, I, I know I keep saying it, but I truly believe, you know, serving <laughs> so much serving opportunities i know sanks needed some uh some assistance and we do have a coming we have a 5k coming up and yep. uh our life group did did that kind of we did we walked distantly um down in the marshes last march or april when we did the 5k super fun and i just think um it's a rare time like juanita was saying it's a rare time where uh your social you know that need with that anxiety that depression that does crop up can really be only, you know, met through these kind of meaningful situations where you're serving. Um, but gosh, even in, in normal times, I find serving someone else is, 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 it brings me out of, of that. Um, and I have a, you know, I have a moderate amount of anxiety and depression. I know some people struggle deeply and there was a situation this past week, a student whose family has been struggling with COVID repeatedly. So it's been a few weeks. One gets it, the next gets it, um, lost their grandma and um, from COVID. Like it was just, she was already, you know, struggling. And I mean, just really sad, really deeply sad. And I did, um, you know, I did visit. And I think that 
there's times, uh, again, that takes our judgment, that takes being in step with the spirit, understanding that um, certain times do take reaching out, kind of like what, you know, you both were saying about um, building those more meaningful relationships. Uh, I do think this is a time more than ever we need to re- we need to speak up when we are struggling. And that is hard because I can sit here and struggle quietly. And I, I find it, I'm an extroverted female, which typically is the demographic that doesn't struggle, you know, does speak up a little bit more, does bring people into their circle when they're struggling. Um, but because of this, this new reality, I find myself really having to force myself to reach out um, to, to have those interactions. And like Juanita, I, I have way more deliberate relationships right now than I did before quarantine. I, I had these, and probably all of you, you know, I had these kind of repeatedly, um, oh, I go to dinner with this group every such and such night. Oh, I see that person. And it never required us to have those deeper conversations. And now um, it's like when we're meeting, we're meeting for a reason <laughs> or, or let's get, you know, there's really nothing else to do but talk. And so um, it, it has meant a lot to me. And I think it does force us to change a bit. And that's uncomfortable. Humans, you know, scientifically or sociologically, whatever it is, humans are averse to change. And, uh, and yet I, I totally agree with you guys. Some of that change has been really meaningful to me. And um, some of this anxiety, depression that existed before that I could ignore has actually, um, I've gotten to certain roots of it and I've gotten to certain methods of, of working with it that um, is helpful. So I just encourage people to keep reaching out, uh, try serving. But I'd like to kind of hear from you, Adam. I think that uh, I'd love to hear your, <laughs> I know this is a question posed to you a lot. So what do you say? Yeah, well, there's not much more to add. You guys are uh, so awesome. That was so good. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's uniquely hard for young adults, right? Um, and, and I am in a unique situation um, where I'm an introvert and I've got three kids under the age of six in my stuck mm-hmm. in my house. <laughs> so often for me, stimulation is the last thing that I need or like, you know, I just want to, you know, I, I'm battling a different kind of thing, but uh, I think just to add on to what you guys said, I'm just learning a lot about the value of, uh, for me, it's deep conversations and like, uh, and, and again, alluding to what some of you said of like, there is a, there's a connection that only takes place through vulnerability. And uh, again, that's uniquely hard for a, another demographic of mine, um, you know, males, you know, stereotypically, that's just hard for us to go to a place where we say to each other, Hey bro, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm super lonely or, you know, whatever the emotion is and just name it and name it and claim it. (laughs) I don't think that's how you're supposed to use that. Um, so yeah, I, I think, um, again, just sort of reiterating what you guys said is like, you can't neglect that. You got to push into that even more now. Um, and you, you have to be intentional about it. But I do think I'm hopeful that this is teaching us that uh, just occasionally going to lunch with somebody and talking about, you know, soccer or the weather might just be masking something that a deeper connection we we were longing for anyways. We just didn't really, uh, it, we didn't see it because we're just, well, I had a fun time hanging out. We played 
sports or we went hiking and it was great but it's like yeah there's a there's a level of connection that we need that's that goes way deeper than that um so yeah that would be something i there is something that god has built within us to uh to live beyond ourselves and that is a way that we can um we can get beyond our own uh fear our own anxiety is when we look beyond ourselves. And, and I think serving projects, like you said, we got a big one coming up with the 5k, but uh, you guys know this. I, I loved hearing Catherine about you, with the, uh, uh, the lady in the nursing home, I think you said, or retirement home. And there are people, if we open our eyes, there are more examples of that right around the corner. There's, there's a older lady that lives right across the street for, from us. And, and we had never talked to her very much at all until uh, the initial quarantine pandemic happened and we wrote a note to her and said, Hey, do you need us to get any groceries for you? And that, that was the, it finally created a bridge where it's just like, she did need help with that. doesn't take a serving project, but it just takes us opening our eyes to the needs that are around us. But, all right. Well, we're going to wrap up. I'd love to give uh, our special guests, uh, Catherine and Juanita, just, you know, you got a platform of thousands and thousands of young adults across the world. Wow. <laughs> that listen to the same guest. What would be uh, just a parting thought that you could give them? One last thing that you'd love love to tell them. No pressure. Um, just quickly, two things. One is just um, like, yeah, all of this is hard. This is a huge sacrifice, but we're also a part of like this huge thing where we are actually saving lives. Like if you actually do the math and if we hadn't done these things, so many more people would be dead right now. So we've actually saved so many lives. So just taking encouragement in that is so important. And number two, like, I think we talked a little bit about judgment and not judging. And I think one thing that I heard recently that really stuck with me is just, instead of calling out, let's call in, like, let's bring people in. Let's like, not like shy away from hard conversations, but yeah, I love this idea of like, let's draw people in. Let's like do this mission together to like protect people's health and livelihood and to still lean into community and not give into these like false uh, either wars, but lean into the and. And I think we can do it. And I think, yeah, more conversations like these are, I think really helpful. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Catherine. I think just as important as getting like the general perspective of what's going on um, it's also getting a perspective of of what's going on with us like the process that we're going through or that God has been walking us through during this this season because I really believe that despite how messy it looks God is still sovereign and he, he's still in control. It, it didn't catch him by surprise, right? So, like, understanding that we are in a process of, like, in the context of a, of a world scenario, there's also a personal scenario. And kind of, like, not missing it, right? Like, let's not get through this the same way or even more bitter or, like, angrier or, you know, but... On the contrary, like, let's get through this, like being able to hear God's voice in a much clearer way or being more compassionate or like, there's got to be something out of this, right? Not just 
I had to stay at home for a year and a half. And yeah. I'm finally able to go have a meal with my best friends, right? Mm. And I think that is the reason why I can definitely say that 2020 was one of the best years in my life. Mm. Something actually changed. Yeah. It changed for, for better, and, and I'm grateful. And even if I could skip it, I probably wouldn't, right? <laughs> so it's hard. It, it's really hard. And th there are some days that I, I just don't want to do this anymore. It's like, okay, let, now let's skip it, right? But overall, I think there's, there's a dream that God is, is like walking us through, and he's in it with us. Like we're walking. Yes. We're not camping in this scenario. We, we're not like just surrendering to like the pandemic or whatever. We're walking through it. We'll get through this, but let's get through this better, like a better version of a closer version of what God created us to be. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, thank you both so, so much. This has been so valuable um, for me, and I know it will be for so many folks. Uh, Mary, I'm wondering if you could end our time by almost uh, praying a, a prayer commission for these two and just uh, all the the beautiful work they do and uh, just praying for our community as we continue to navigate this. I love that uh, walking, not camping. That's so good as we walk together. So can you pray for us, Mary? Absolutely. Thanks. God, I just thank you so much for Juanita, Catherine, and for Adam as they, uh, as they, they lead so many people right now into uh, a future that you might have for us, God. And I pray, especially for Catherine and Juanita, as they seek your truth, Father, as they seek the truth you've already given us in this world, um, as they seek healing that you might have for us, Father, as they uh, lead with hope and excitement um, what this next step might be, God, for uh, leading us into a healed society, God, that you would uh, give them strength, give them joy. Father, I hear so much joy in both of them. God, uh, a sense of unity with your people, uh, that we would come alongside them with support and with um, with uh, just uh, championing them in this, in this mission, God. I just pray you would give them uh, wisdom along with knowledge and bless the work mm -hmm. of their hands as they both um, as they both do work adjacent to COVID and, and in ways so so important in so many ways for our future God and I just I want to give you thanks uh, for for giving them these minds uh, mm -hmm. that work in ways that mine never will <laughs> most likely <laughs> and uh, and for and for giving them these um, these uh, great solutions, Father, because we know that um, that you created this earth and you created it with so many wonderful answers um, to our problems and to our, our issues, God. And I just thank you for the miracles that you're doing through science and through medicine. Again, just give them grace as you move them forward and as we walk along with them in this journey. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you again for joining us. And thanks, everybody, for listening today. I hope this uh, helped you, blessed you. And we'll see you next week or in three months, whichever happens. <laughs> All right. See ya. Thanks, everybody.